Well, you know, and not only are you here for, uh, for that, but you get like two sermons today. Is that awesome or what? And you're like, oh man, I thought that was it. Hey, I can't, I, I really, um, there are some times that I would be like, yeah, that's it, let's go, you know. But I have to tell you, I am so excited about what God has to share today. Really, I am. It's going to be awesome. And um, we just came through the uh, week of revival, started last Sunday, if you remember, those who were here uh, with Jeremiah Bullock. He spoke Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights. And um, I'm very proud of, of Michael. He did a great job, our youth pastor, of making sure that every uh, message is already on the website and on the podcast. I would encourage you to go find the church's podcast and subscribe to that. And then every week, not only will you get to hear uh, the message, the teaching that is that week, but you can have for free all of the um, revival messages, the times of speaking that Jeremiah did. And I got to tell you, somebody came to me and they said, hey, when Jeremiah was speaking, it wasn't kind of what I thought a revival would be. It was more of a teaching time, and, uh, which is great because I've already invited him to come back next fall. He's going to be here, and um, I think Rob McCorkle's coming with him, and uh, we're going to have a weekend conference of uh, deep dive into Scripture with uh, Jeremiah and Rob, so it's going to be good, but that's a ways off. So, Hey, um, if you are here today, you have come on the third series, or the third in a uh, message, a series of messages about being part of a movement, and I, you know, you'll, you'll notice that the um, the image for it is, it, the, what we're using for our um, graphic, I guess, says it's hashtag movement. So, you know, if you guys ha- are so inclined, begin to post those things, Facebook, Instagram, Inst- Instagram and Twitter. Uh, follow that with that, that hashtag because we want people to know that we want to be part of a movement. And as we're kind of digging into this, we've been talking about what it looks like to be a movement. People of a movement are characterized by certain things. They have a certain uh, set of uh, characteristics in common. And just imagine any, move, any movement that you know of through history. The people that were involved in that movement all have similar ideas, similar um, ways of dressing, similar uh, um, thoughts, and it is what characterizes them as people of, of a movement. And so the question is for us, what do people of this movement look like? And the first week we talked about um, the way that God sees us. Um, God sees us through the eyes of, God is love, right? So he sees us through that lens, the lens of love. He, he loves us and he asks us to become love, um, to be conduits of his love to other people. And so one of my prayers has always been, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. In other words, I want to see people the way you do. I, I want to see if somebody's hurting or in pain, like I want to know that. I want to see them that way. I want my heart to break so that I can keep that connection with God. And, and when God sees lost people, his heart breaks. We talked about the lady who had, uh, the woman in the scripture who had 10 coins and she lost one, if you remember, and she just tore the house up trying to find that one because that one was so important. And that's what 
the, the same kind of thing that we want to have uh, idea with God. When we see lost people, that we just can't help but see them that way. That's being kingdom-minded. Seeing people the way that God does, like we're living in the kingdom. And then uh, the last time we talked before Jeremiah was about joy. So people of a movement are characterized by the way they see the world. If, are they kingdom-minded? People of a movement also are characterized by people of joy. And, and we differentiated the difference between happiness as an emotion and joy as something that is derived by the Spirit within us. There's difference. So we can not be happy but still have joy because happy is an emotion. Don't confuse happiness and joy. And it, we define it like this, and I love this. Joy is a divine dimension of living that is not shackled by circumstance. And I, I, I guess I like it because I love that word, a divine dimension. Divine, imagine God. So a divine, a God dimension. When we live there, we have joy. As we go, by the way, today, I always forget, the sermon notes are in the um, Bible app or the, the church's app. You can go in the church's app and look through the notes for today. In both cases, kingdom-minded people, people of joy, if we're going to be people of a movement, if we're going to be people who would spread the message of freedom, we must be people that see others the way God sees them. We have to be people that when others look at us, they see the joy within us. And, you know, I just said something that made me think. We're talking about this movement, and the movement we're talking about is the movement that the disciples started so long ago, right? The, the, this Christian movement. I don't believe all churches are involved in that movement. I think we're all, if we're honest with ourselves, we're trying. We want to be. And I think God has set this church up for this time, in this space, in this day, to join the movement that he started. And that movement is going to make a difference in our community. Right where he has planted us. It's this community. This is the area that God has asked us to join his movement. And so if we're going to join this movement, what is the key factor in this movement? It is that we have freedom. And I could spend a lot of time talking about freedom. I'm not going to, but the sin that shackles us, the sin that holds us down, by Jesus Christ, we have the ability to be set free from that. And when other people get kind of an idea of what's going on, of that freedom that we have access to, they will want to be a part. And every week we're talking about the personality of people who are part of that movement. All right? Are we caught up now? Kingdom-minded people, people full of joy. And today, if we're going to become people, a movement of freedom, then we have to learn to live a life of freedom. We have to learn to live that way. All right, we're going to talk in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. It's a little bit long. Love, love, love this scripture, by the way. Um, I visited Brazil on a short-term mission trip once, and uh, my Brazilian friends over here, I'll tell you the story later. I preached a message on this, um, and the way I preached it didn't translate so well, so I'm going to try again today in English. Um, not the same message, same scripture. Romans chapter 7, 
verses 14 through 25. All right, this is Paul speaking. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know the good, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Everybody up to speed so far? <laughs> now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So he, just, just to, to recap this part, it gets confusing. I do not do what I want to do, and what I want to do, I do not do. The whole point is this. He wants to do good, and he acknowledges that all of us want to do good, but we find that we just can't. We try, but we just can't because there's sin in us, right? Verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you have found this to be your story? I don't understand what I do because what I want to do, I don't do. I don't understand it because I want to do good and I try to do good, but I can't do good. I just don't get it. And I think this is our story, right? This is where we find ourselves. How many times have you heard someone say, well, it's just human nature, <laughs> right? Well, it's just human nature. Why'd you do that? Well, it's just human nature. My 11-year-old Maddie, why did you tackle your brother? Oh, it's just human nature. <laughs> it's just what we do. Even though I know I shouldn't do it, I just can't help but do it. It's just my nature. It's human nature. You know, on one hand, I think that's just an excuse that we use. But on the other hand, that's exactly right. That is what human nature is. Because of human nature, we just can't help but sin. That's the truth of the matter. That's the way that we're born. We just can't help but sin because of that human nature. And in the, in the church world, you've probably heard it called all kinds of things. The sin nature, uh, the human nature it's, it's a desire to sin, and, and it's, just, it's just what we're born with. So let, let's talk about that. What is the human nature? It, it, it's just a sin nature. When Adam and Eve sinned, that started the fall of all mankind in a sense of they sinned, and now everybody's born to sin. In fact, this is one of the greatest lies in history, um, and some of us st still lie like this because it's easy. The serpent was there, the devil, right? And he tempted 
uh, Eve, and he said, can't you eat this tree? No, we can't eat this tree. And he said, why not? Well, God said, I'll die. You're not going to die. You guys all know the story. You're not going to die. And she was like, well, okay. And she ate the fruit, and guess what? She didn't die. Not right away. But over a length of time, you know, and they all lived seven, eight, nine hundred years at that time. But they did die. Before that, there was no death. Death, we were not created to die. Did you know that? God did not create humankind to die. Our bodies were intended to be eternal. I was supposed to have hair. <laughs> like, that's the way God made me. And my other hair was not supposed to be going gray. <laughs> this is the human condition. This is sin. That's what happened. So after that, we're all born with sin. We, it's something we've inherited. It's common to every person who has ever been born, except Jesus. And we don't need Ancestry.com to tell us that. We all know when we're born that at some point we will die. It's the way it is now, Right? Romans 5.12 tells us, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Sin causes us to turn away from God. At its heart, that's what it is. It causes us to turn away from God. So, at the very core, we have a sin nature. And that sin is what drives a wedge between us and and God. When you are asking yourself, God, I just don't feel like I can connect. Why can't I connect? I'm trying so hard to connect. He's saying to you, what in your life is keeping you from connecting? There's something there and we have to search ourselves. This is why what Jesus did is so amazing. The way it was set up, after sin, a blood sacrifice was required. Now, we don't hear anymore of somebody in the church. We don't come in and say, hey, guys, don't forget to buy your dove. We have your dove out there. Later, we're going to kill it, sprinkle the blood around. And, or, oh, if, you're, you know, if it's this time of year, we've got some sheep. They're all in the back. See the sheep? Go pick you one out. They're nice. They're, they're without blemish. Later on, we're going to kill that thing, sprinkle some blood around, and your sins will be forgiven. Because that's what used to happen. When G and every... Uh, not every time, I don't want to get into all the old law, but that was a very frequent thing that they had to do to keep themselves clear. So what Jesus did was so amazing because it was one sacrifice, one blood sacrifice that ended all sacrifices forever because his blood sacrifice was good enough to cover sin for all time. So, we know we don't want to turn away. How is it that we do turn away? What happens in us? What, what in our heart causes us to do that? Deuteronomy 30, 17 says this, But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them. How we fall away all begins with our heart. If there's a shift in our heart, if after we're saved, and you guys all know, you, you ask Jesus into your heart, things are great, I feel good, I'm praising God, I'm raising my hands, you know, maybe I'm dancing around, everything's so good. And then after a time, that fire in your heart begins to cool down. Those embers that were just burning so brightly, 
they kind of begin to fade away. And, that, and that's what happens. Our heart begins to drift away. And why? Because of human nature. We find ourselves now willing to tolerate little disobediences, little sins, just, just small things. We, 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 things we used to be disgusted by when we were first come to know Jesus. We're like, oh man, this thing is it, it's gross. And, and now it's, eh, it's not so gross, not so bad. We tolerate that little sin, that little disobedience. Then a substitute for God begins to trickle into our lives. Maybe not a golden calf like, you know, they struggled with in, in the Old Testament. But maybe it's a job. Or, or maybe it's money. Or maybe it's family. And I can tell this story for Theresa. Uh, I'll tell a story on her because it's such a good one about family. A mother's instinct is, is just so strong, you know. They just love their kids. And after we had Caden, through having Caden, and some of you know the story, when he was born, his lung collapsed, and um, it was dire situation. He might die, take him to NICU. Um, it, was, it was a crazy 10 days for us as the doctors tried to, because, you know, he's a tiny little baby infant, and they're not trying to cut, his, cut him open and do all this. Anyway, so Caden um, went to the NICU and Sarisa, bless her heart, she'd had a C-section and surgery and like the day after she had that surgery, she went to the hospital. It was a different hospital. They took him to a different hospital and, and we got a camper and she went to the camper and stayed in the camper in the parking lot of the hospital, just brand new mom, C-section, dying. And um, she was so anxious about Caden. She was praying and praying and praying and he told her, you need to give him to me. Trust me. Her instinct, though, as a mom was so strong. She felt like God was telling her, you're putting him and your family in front of me. So it can be anything, and it can be the most noble of things that we put in front of God. But we can't do that. Everything has got to be God first. So we find ourselves then exactly where Paul described. I don't do what I want to do. I mean, who wants to live in sin? Who wakes up and says, man, I want to live in sin. We all know that sin is bondage. It traps us. So we ask forgiveness, right? And we move on. And we oh, that feels good. Oh, God, thank you. You forgave me. But it happens over and over and over again, right? We just keep doing it. And that's what Paul's talking about. So how do we turn back? The first thing is this. Identify whatever in our lives is taking that place of God. What is it? Look for it. Identify it. Psalm 139 says it beautifully. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God. God, search me. Find it in me. Help me to find it. Sometimes that's my prayer. Like, God, I feel like I'm not super connected right now. Search me. What is it? What's going on in my life? Help me. I want to connect with you. Another thing is to identify the things in our hearts that the, the little sin things that maybe we've been tolerating, things that we don't think of a big deal as they used to be, things we know that God hates. Ask Him to search us. So we're in this cycle, right? And there's a point. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but follow me here. We're in this cycle. We sin, we ask forgiveness. We sin, we ask forgiveness. We sin, 
We ask forgiveness, right? And it's like this roller coaster ride, and everything's bad, and man, and this is horrible. Who wants to live like this? But I don't want to live in bondage, so I need to ask God to forgive me. Surely that's not what God intended for us. Have you ever thought that? Like, this isn't how God intended us to live. This isn't what he wanted. Enter our scripture for today. This is what Paul is talking about over and over and over. He says, who will save me? Who will deliver me from this? Thanks be to our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? How do we get there? We have to realize that we need something more. Realize that we need something more. I'm telling you the truth. That is not how God wants us to live. He does not want us to live in a constant battle, a constant struggle with sin. He didn't send His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that you would suffer the rest of your life in this back and forth and back and forth. It's not, the, it's not, it's not what He has in mind. He wants you to have deliverance and freedom. Jesus Christ did not suffer and bleed and die so that you would live in bondage the rest of your life. In Romans 7 and 8, this is what Paul's speaking about. You should read it. Listen, 6, 7, and 8 of Romans, awesome. Like so, so good. If, if you want to know how do I get to like the, a basic tenet of, of faith, Paul talks all about it, 6, 7, and 8. So in Romans 7 and 8, he's talking about that, the struggle we go through. We ask him forgiveness, and we say, have you ever done this? Oh, God, forgive me. I promise I'll never again. <laughs> and then like two days later, you're, there you are again. Oh, I'm so sorry, God. I promise. Forgive me and never, ever again. Right? It's the struggle we have. <laughs> but Romans 8, man. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2, he says this. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I don't know if you know how significant that is to our faith in God. There is no condemnation. What? No condemnation. When Jesus has set you free, if you feel condemnation, that is not from God, man. That is from the devil. And that is from yourself. We continue to live in that condemnation because there is no condemnation when we're in Christ Jesus. Because, and then it goes on. It doesn't stop us there. You're forgiven. He doesn't condemn you anymore. Now, when you sin, yes, there's condemnation. You've got to get forgiven again, right? God, forgive me again. But you can be set free. And this is it. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And this is such an interesting thing. And this is why I encourage you, and, and Jeremiah, when he was here, encourage you, do word studies. This is so cool. The law, okay, that word law. The word law is such an interesting word the way they used it here. If you, if you look at this word, law, it's the same word used in chapter 7, and, he's, and, and 
Paul's so smart in the way he uses words. So he says, he talks about the law of Christ previously. Now he's talking about the law of sin and death and that you can be set free by the law of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit isn't necessarily a law. And I was like, how can the Holy Spirit be a law? What does that even mean? But it is the same word, but it's defined two different ways. The law of sin and death, there is a law. If you break the law that God has set out, then you will die and go to hell. Man, that was harsh. I didn't mean it so harsh. But it's, it's the law, right? I, I'm not trying to, this isn't doom and gloom. This is like happiness and God's going to set you free. So follow with me. That, there, that is a law. It's like what you imagine a law to be. The state legislature writes a law. It's that kind of law. But if you go to the law of Christ through the Holy Spirit, okay, this is different. Same word, different way to think about it. In context, it is the rule of the Spirit. In other words, if you want to live by the law of sin and death, and if by chance, he talks about this in a different, in Galatians, if by chance you think that you can live a perfect life and not sin one time, you can try. Can you do your whole life and not sin? I mean, I, I've already blown it. <laughs> I need God. I, I, I gave it up. Like, I can't do it. Right? And most, all of us are that way. Matter of fact, every person except Jesus is that way. That law, we, we can't win against that one. But the rule, same word, different use, the rule of the Spirit. If we allow the Spirit to rule our lives, you understand? Are you picking that up? If we can give in to His rule, now, Matt, he doesn't rule over us. He's not like a thumb and he's pressing down on us. Just his rule, like the things that he has established for us, allowing him into our life, then we can be set free. This is at the core of our movement. This is at the very center of this movement, hashtag movement, that God has started 2,000 years ago through Jesus Christ, and now he has invited, this is cool, he has invited our church to participate in this movement with him. I don't know if you pick up on the significance of that because I feel, I've been here three years. Matter of fact, I, I was going to make a big deal. I love birthdays, anniversaries. Like, if you're around me at all, you know, I'll let you know. July 12th is coming. It's a little ways away, but my birthday. <laughs> Um, I've been here three years. The first Sunday in January, I was uh, quarantining because I had COVID. And I couldn't tell everybody that that was my three-year anniversary, that first Sunday in January. Ooh, I was excited about that. Right, three years. I'm not sure God had invited us yet the first three years I've been here. I, and, and we were, do, we're doing our part. Don't get me wrong. We are making a difference. God has given us a very specific why, to love like Jesus so lives are changed. See it out in the lobby. Like, God has pushed us on this. But I almost felt as we're coming into this, the reason we're in this part now, we spent all of 2020 talking about love and the depth of the Holy Spirit. You remember that? All of 2020. 
I feel like he was preparing us, and now he's saying to us as a church, hey guys, there's this movement going on, and I know that you've really been working on this, but now listen, I am inviting you to participate and be a movement in your community to join this thing that we've got going on, and it starts with being set free. Do you want to be set free? Everybody wants to be set free, and that's what he's called us to, a life of freedom. And so that's where we come into uh, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Okay, back again. There is no condemnation for those who are in, and he says, therefore, starts with therefore. It's another interesting thing, word study that. Because of all of the things I just told you in 6 and 7, therefore, since we're in such a mess because we can't do it ourselves and back and forth and I do not do and blah, 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 yada, yada, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, the rule of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Wow. Like I get chills right now thinking about that. It is through the Spirit that we can set, be set free. That's the core of our movement. So, so what does that mean? In our church, we use a word called sanctified. If you go through a membership class ever, or if you've been here very long, you've heard me say that word, to be sanctified. Um, we've talked about it. We'll always talk about it. I probably couldn't explain it too often. When we're saved in a theological circle, all right, so pay attention to this, we come to what is called a point of crisis. That crisis moment is us asking Jesus to forgive us for our sins. Blood of Jesus comes, covers us, like he has forgiven us. Things are awesome. But we find ourselves in this battle, this Romans 6 and 7 battle. Listen, the consequence of, of that sin is separation from God both now and after we die. That's where hell comes in. God isn't sending you to hell. You're choosing hell because you don't choose God. In fact, he has invited you all to come to him. He said, listen, I'm going to make it so easy. All you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me. Right? Join me. Live for me and you're coming. So we're saved. Life is good. We're trying to live like a Christian should, but we keep messing up. And it's in that moment that we keep thinking, well, I'm only human. I'm just human. You know what? You're right. You are only human. You are only as good as the thing, the spirit within you. And this is what Jeremiah and I talked about, and he talked some about. What is it that sources you? Okay, And this is where we have to be very careful as Christians because if we cross over into, there are passionate people. My wife is one. I understand that. Full of passion and fire. And if you know her, you know what I mean. It's awesome. I love her and I love being married to her. Life's a, a trip. But if passion becomes what sources you, then you step out of the Holy Spirit sourcing you. Does that make sense? If your uh, family is what sources you, if that's what's most important, if that's your source for, for your drive, then you step out of the Holy Spirit sourcing you. Is that making sense? And, it's, and that's where we run into problems, and that's where sin creeps in, because now our source isn't the Holy Spirit. And, and that's where this word sanctify comes into play, okay? Sanctify means to be set apart. There's several places in Scripture that we're admonished to be set apart for God, right? That is to pursue holiness. 
And this is, uh, love this scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 and then 7 and 8. It is God's will, if you're wondering if I made that word up, I didn't. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, set apart to pursue holiness. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction, chooses to be sourced by something else, does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you the Holy Spirit. Do you see how he's just, he's thrown the gauntlet down. He's like, listen, everybody, here it is. I don't know if I can make it any easier for you. Here it is. Choose me and I will source you and lead you into a holy life. Don't choose me and you're walking in a sin life. So here's the thing. Basically, we all have a desire to sin. All of us. It's what it's our human nature. So when somebody says, that's just human nature, that's right. It is human nature. But the cool thing about God is he doesn't want you to be sourced by your human nature. He wants you to be sourced by the nature of the Spirit. And, and, that's, and that's the thing. So when, when we use human nature as an excuse as a Christian, we're saying, well, I have stepped out of the Spirit. I have decided I don't want to be sourced by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to choose to step into sourcing by human nature. I am choosing, and human nature is what? Is sin nature, remember? So we have a choice to make. Are we going to allow ourselves to be sourced by the Holy Spirit? Or are we going to step into our human nature and be sourced by sin? Oh, Cal, is it that simple? Yes. It's not complicated. He doesn't make it complicated. He doesn't want it to be. Listen, he has, and we know this by reading the book of John, he has a place for every single one of you. Every one of you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. He is making a place for you to spend an eternity with him. And all he says is, will you please let me source you? Then you can come in the dwelling I have made for you. Listen, this doesn't mean that we're perfect. This doesn't mean we won't sin anymore, but it does mean that, and this is cool. I've got to step away from this. It does mean that the desire to sin goes away. And I can say, having been sanctified, that there are times that I do still sin. And this is another thing. Go back and listen to the podcast. Jeremiah talked about this. It's the difference between mistakes and um, errors, you know. There are, I, I, I know that I, I will mess up. I'm going to sin. But I don't want to. You see, when we choose to be sanctified, when we choose to be filled with the Spirit to pursue the life He has called us to, the desire to sin goes away. Because now my desire is for him only. So we were talking about that theological circles and the crisis point, right? So there's, there's two crisis points. There's one, we get saved, and that's awesome. But there comes a time, a second crisis point, and we say, God, I am tired of living Romans 7. 
I do not do what I want to do, and what I want to do I do not do. I can't keep doing it. I don't want to sin, but the sin I don't want to do I just keep doing. We say, God, I'm tired of it. I can't do it anymore. And we reach another crisis point, and we say, I give myself entirely to you. Everything I've reserved, every part of my human nature, all that sin nature, would you take that from me? Would you eradicate that from my life? I want to live only for you. I give myself entirely to you. It's a second. It's just like being saved. The, the same, it's not just like being saved. What I mean is the, it's the same concept. It's a crisis point. God, I give myself entirely to you. I, I want to be sourced by the Spirit. I want you to, to remove my sin nature. I don't want that anymore. And I only want what you want in my life. It's, and then it's awesome. He said, finally, yes, let me set you free from this sin. And he comes in your heart. And he takes over. And, I, and then it's a process. Listen, it happens all at once and over the rest of your life. So for me, what happens in my life now, because I've given that to him. And I, I, I told him that once upon a time. And it was such an amazing event in my life. And I still remember every detail about that. But I keep messing up. And every time I mess up, I say, oh, God. I don't want to have that thought. Take that from me. I don't want to say that word. Take that word from me. I don't want to act that way. Take that from me. And that's the process. See? Man, you know, this is a, um, I don't know why we do it this way. We had a, a class. Michael and Jessica and I went through this class, but it's, it's on this whole concept, and it took us like three months. <laughs> so I'm giving you like drinking out of a fire hose. But at the heart of it, it's that simple. Ask Jesus to forgive me, and then ask him to sanctify me. Fill me with your spirit. I only want what you want. My desire is for you. Set me free. Isn't that awesome? And you know, he's going to do that for you. I want to read to you Romans 8 out of the message translation. Because we want to be set free, right? That's the heart of our movement. And God wants to set you free. And when other people see the freedom that we live in, they say, man, I want to be set free too. How is it that I can be set free? And we're like, oh man, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you. And by the way, our church talks about this all the time if you want to be a part. <laughs> Romans 8, chapter 2. I mean, Romans chapter 8, verses 2, and then we'll skip to 9 through 11. All right. The Spirit. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Isn't that awesome? But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking, of your, uh, thinking more of yourself than him. Right? We're sourced by him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome Him, in whom He dwells, even though you, are, you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He'll do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus, bringing you alive to Himself. 
when God lives and lives and breathes in you, oh, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. You know, Jesus was the first spirit-sourced human. He came to show us that it can be done, and this is how. Fully human, sourced by the Spirit. My question for us today is, are you set free? Have you been? Do you need to be? We're going to sing this song, and I, I love this song. Do it again, right? Do it again is the name of it. Just making sure something didn't change. <laughs> Man, God wants to, there's so many things, but he wants to do it in your life again. Will you allow him to set you free? If you haven't been, and if you're at home watching, man, tune in for just a moment. Another three or four minutes and we're done. But we're asking the Holy Spirit to come in to set us free. Let's pray. God, today I don't know who here or who watching needs to pray this prayer, but just very much like a, a prayer when we got saved and we started to follow Jesus, when we trusted in Him the first time. Now, Father, uh, we want to say, Holy Spirit, I give myself entirely to you. Would you come and make my thoughts your thoughts? Would you make my desires your desires? I surrender everything to you. so simple and then help us Holy Spirit to live for you to be sourced by you and when other things when, when things of our human nature of that sin nature begin to creep back in we ask that you would eradicate them that you would remove them from us when, it's, when, when the passions of our life or our family or our job or money or whatever it is that begins to, to be the thing that drives us, we ask God that you would help us to refocus, not to allow those things to, to take us away. Set us free, Father. Because people of a movement, if we are truly to be a movement, people of a movement are set free. And other people will want to be set free too. So be with us this morning. And whoever here has said that prayer and given yourself entirely to him, my, my advice is this. Matter of fact, more than advice, please do this. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. And not just your husband or wife, but tell a pastor. Tell a, a mentor tell somebody that you have made this choice and then begin to walk through this life with them. We thank you today, God. We love you. Source us, we pray in Jesus' name.